Today's reading is Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. It can be found on page 1082 of the Bible next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mark. How awesome to have friends who will pray for you in front of others at the last second. And he's really good at it. That was a blessing. I just didn't feel up to that. Uh, but I did go to a hipster barbershop and got my beard trimmed. <laughs> and I'll tell you more about that later. That's probably the first thing you noticed anyway. That thing's looking so trim. I must have gone to a barbershop. So last week, Mark called us a contagious misfit choir. And I don't know about you, but I've just been thinking about that all week. That was a, that was a great image. And, uh, and then he brought up Aretha. And um, some of you might know, Blues Brothers is my favorite film. And Aretha, uh, if, you, if you don't know that film, you must Google Aretha Franklin Blues Brothers. She's a waitress, and she just has that look on her face, and just that look, and then she says, you better think. I'm not going to sing Aretha. I can't sing Aretha. Mark can sing, but think about how much I'm trying to do things. Oh, it's, it's the best. She's wearing the, the pink outfit. She's She's hiking it up, free down. I'm not gonna sing it, I promise. <laughs> the other waitresses join her, she's got the pink slippers, she's shuffling. You guys know this? This is the best. <laughs> uh, that, that song resonates with me. And so the title I chose is Resonate Gospel. And uh, Mark did not prepare that, that uh, prayer, but that was a great intro. Thank you. Resonate Gospel. That's our title. 
Let's start with a couple definitions. Resonate. To produce or be filled with a deep, full, reverberating sound. To produce a loud, clear, deep sound for a long time. To have particular meaning. To affect or appeal to someone in a personal or emotional way. Do you resonate with that? In physics, to reinforce or prolong sound by reflection from a surface or by the synchronous vibration of a neighboring object. So think of this. Think of singing a note into the string part of a piano. And then the string which matches that note reverberates in synchronous vibration and plays that note. I read that that can happen. I don't know if it's true, but let's just pretend that that can happen. And let's say those strings are our heart strings. Yours and mine. Things in us already that can be activated by something else to resonate in response to a stimulus, to a note played. And think about that. We're going to come back to that. First, I'm going to set the scene of Paul writing to the Ephesians from prison. There he was in verse 20. I'm going to jump right to that. Paul says he's an ambassador in chains. He's writing from a Roman prison, guarded by the elite Praetorian guards. Uh, he might have been chained arm to arm with someone 24-7. He's in Caesar's household, getting to know them, spreading the gospel this whole time. At one point, he thanks God for the opportunity to spread the word because he's in chains, in with all the power brokers right there in Rome. And he's an ambassador. There's a lot of kingdom battle imagery here. He's an ambassador in chains. Ambassadors at this time from one kingdom would wear ornate clothing and chains, golden chains, encrusted with jewels and beautiful clothes so they could represent and so they could impress the king to whom they were going for the summit. And here, Paul is wearing the chains of his king. These ornate golden chains represent the wealth and the power of the king, of the ambassador. And here's Paul with the humble prison chains, symbols from his king, Jesus, who faced down the might of the Roman Empire by embracing their most ruthless instrument of power, the cross. So here's Paul on death row in the teeth of the grinding systemic power of Rome. And he brings to the negotiating table as an ambassador his weakness and that of his king. It's important to remember that as we look at how Paul encourages the Ephesians and us, perhaps, to take up the armor of God against evil. 
word about the evil. What evil? He talks about the schemes of the devil and the spiritual forces of evil, and also about rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world. So is it people and societal systems, or is it Satan and demons? Can't go into all of that, but in a word, it's both. So, think about the history, human history, and how often humans are caught up, caught unaware, surprised by the level of evil. Caught off guard by the horror of war and atrocities. Just a few things. I think about the Industrial Revolution, all the progress at the end of the 19th century, the turn of the 20th century. Many intellectuals thought we were on the verge of solving all human problems. And then the horror of World War I. And we have the temerity to call it the war to end all wars. How did that work out? Right. Followed shortly by the Holocaust. Unimaginable. Never forget after that, we said. In this country, the horrors of 400 years of slavery were replaced by Jim Crow. Civil rights were hard won, and then they were shocked that racism didn't obey the new law. Genocide, ethnic cleansing, persist in several parts of the world. 9-11 was a wake-up call, school shootings. Do you notice that there's always someone on TV who's shocked and amazed that it happened here? I never thought it could happen here. This is such a quiet neighborhood, such a nice school. There's always someone being incredulous. How about this phrase? Modern slavery. It's mind-blowing. Over 20 million people in the world today are enslaved. Slavery? Didn't we learn that one at great cost? These things are huge events, and we could make a long list of systemic evils and powers. And I just got a book yesterday that is amazing, so see me if you want to see that. And these are, these are systems oppressive systems that we have in the world. But Paul speaks to us pastorally about how to guard our hearts and minds from attack by an enemy who hates us and who knows how to play us and take our eyes off our king. So let's see if we can agree that evil persists that it's complex, and the way it works in our hearts is very subtle. So I want you to imagine Satan as a skillful pan flute player who knows us, who knows our strings, and he sings, he plays into those strings, just like singing into the piano. And he knows which strings to go after. And he gets our heartstrings to resonate with his 
wiles, his carefully planned strategies, until our hearts begin to hum and we begin to move to his tune. And we don't see it coming because it's hidden and intertwined with good. Making good things into ultimate things is the definition of idolatry. Using your gifts, doing what you're good at, that's good. Relying on your giftedness to give your life ultimate meaning is refusing to bow to your king, Jesus, and jumping on the throne yourself. Paul says here in this passage to the Ephesians and to us, stand your ground. The enemy is subtle. He lies, he twists and warps good things and tempts you with counterfeits. He fires flaming arrows of accusation at you using your own thoughts. I was talking to a young man at the greenhouse this week and I wasn't talking to him about this stuff at all. And he, he just said this phrase kind of out of nowhere. We were talking for a while, but he said, I believe my own lies. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Satan will play to that one heartstring. You know, that one for you. And that string will hum along. And he tries to either suffocate you with guilt or blind you to your folly and get you stuck in vain pursuits. Often both. Alternately. Have you heard this in your head? I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that again. Sins aren't as bad as his. Yeah, I'm doing all right. You know what? I think I'll do that thing again. He's so. He'll use whatever, and he will change tactics, change notes to try to get another heartstring humming. So take inventory of your heart. This is. Part of what we do here at Confessing. Get to know his tactics. What tune is he often playing to you? You can think about it now. Is it that I'm so stupid and messed up that God must be disgusted? Or at least tired? Or is it I'm not so bad. I've been through a lot. No special circumstances. Not as bad as that guy. Both of those are lies. Played to get you to resonate. So Paul comes in and he says, you Ephesians, you city life folks, you have armor already. You don't have to forge it. It's given to you by your king. Take it up. 
Take it up and stand. Recognize how he sees you. Mark already prayed this. Your king calls you beloved. You have the breastplate of his righteousness. The helmet of salvation that he provides. Satan is called the father of lies, the deceiver. And God gives you the belt of truth. And truth is truth. One big lie that Satan gets us to whisper or shout is this one. I can't change. I can't resist. For one thing, think about it, you have resisted before, right? At times, at least once. You have. So you can. In the power of your king. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. There it is. There it is. Take it. Use it. Jesus did. Satan tempted Jesus by whispering to him of his strength. Turn these stones into bread. You can do it. Jesus answers, It is written, God's word is life-giving. One of Satan's favorite doubt-sowing questions is this. Did God really say? If you take up your sword regularly, you will know. Nothing sings and resonates like this gospel truth in his word. The gospel truth is that God wades right into our filth and embraces us. That's the gospel resonance that we want to spread in you and through all of us in our circles of influence. Paul says, you have to do the fighting. You have to stand, but be strong in the Lord in His mighty power. Satan and Rome and all empires use strength, power, shock, and awe to crush Your King Jesus' strength was in emptying himself, humbling himself to death, even the humiliating death on a cross, which everyone then understood as a symbol of being cursed by God. But Philippians says, therefore, because of that humiliating death, he was exalted to king of all. If you can see that sacrifice was for you, you will be able to speak the truth, truth is truth, boldly about the brokenness in the world and in your own heart. We confess here each week 
to remember our weakness, and we celebrate communion each week to remember our King's strength is found and made perfect in that weakness. This is my body, broken for you. And we can stand because we know we are loved, covered by His righteousness. So we can't look down on anyone else because it's not our righteousness. If you can open yourself to Jesus and His work in you, ask Him to play His tune to your heartstrings, then you can say, that sinner, I'm no better than he is. And I'm God's beloved. He takes absolute delight in me. And you. And you. And them. Because of what Jesus has done. Now we can get together and sing that Contagious Misfit Gospel Choir, Gospel of Peace. Sing that song out loud together, Misfits. I've got the Misfit thing going. Right here. How about Contagion? Let's try that. Others need to hear it. Let's get our marching orders. How do we do that? We go to the King. Pray in the Spirit, Paul says. I, I learned this prayer template years ago from a mentor. Probably talked to some of you about it. And I, I put different body positions to the different things, praise and, and thanks. And this particular one is, is uh, called dedication. And it's uh, an image of kneeling before my king. And all these years, I've imagined a knight, or like a Lord of the Rings type of thing, <laughs> kneeling before my king and saying, I'm dedicated to your service today. Use me in whatever way you will. And I have prayed that regularly and failed at praying that regularly since 1989. I've kind of run again. The sense of it is, use me up. All, all up until I'm smashed. And I've, uh, I've prayed that fervently in the heat of battle. I have uh, whispered it, afraid that it might come true. And I have uh, said, maybe I should stop praying this. <laughs> it's, uh, it's being answered, and I don't like it. And I've also forgotten to pray that for months at a time. Forgotten or refused. I don't know, but I. it doesn't feel like I've refused it. It's subtle. I'll just kind of wake up one day and say, oh, I forgot to pray that prayer for three months. What is that? 
That's my enemy. That's my enemy. Knowing my heart strings. Distracting me, lying to me, sweet talking me into dropping my sword, playing that pan flute until my heartstrings resonate with distractions or excuses. Ah, you've heard this passage, you've read it a hundred times. The World Cup is on. Mm -hmm. The Cup is on. Anything is on. <laughs> Until he can spin my head and make me doubt my king and his word. Did God really say? Satan tries to get us to remember the wrong things. Satan says to us ultimately, remember you got this. You're good. You got special circumstances. You got, you got skills. Or he says, remember I keep failing the same way. Jesus says, remember me. Fix your eyes on what I did. And what I will do in you and through you and what I will do in the end when perfect shalom comes to all of creation, all of your mess, where nothing is missing and nothing is broken. Remember me. So here's what I overheard in the hipster barber shop. <laughs> the chair next to me, the guy who's getting my haircut says, I never heard my dad swear until I was 30 or so. And the barber next to me says, oh, kind of nodding knowingly. Oh, churchgoer, huh? And the other guy's like, yeah, you know, you know those churchgoers, they don't swear. It's very common for me as a pastor, whenever it comes out that I'm a pastor, if I'm talking to somebody, whether it's two minutes in or two weeks in, when they find out I'm a pastor, it always goes the same way. I don't know if this happens for you. Uh, a step back, hand to mouth, and a mumbled apology. Oh, sorry for my language. <laughs> or, pardon my French. That's so common. I'm like, I don't care if you speak French. C'est la vie. I have a dream and a hope that churchgoers can become known for some other things. I want to see your pastor. Oh, pardon my greed. Sorry about all my arrogance. Oh, you're a Christian. Sorry I don't know any poor people. I know you folks are all into that. Pardon my gossip. I know that really hurts community. Or how about 
this. You're a Christian. Oh, good. You accept me because you know you're just as messed up as I am. Or hey, hey, maybe you know why I tend to keep going back to bad habits I don't want to do. And I have trouble doing the things I want to do that are healthier for me and others. It's almost like someone's playing me. And I tend to resonate with those unhealthy things I'm inclined toward. And I know you Christians know all about that because you call it temptation and sin, but you're known for regularly, honestly confessing and for being joyful and hopeful because you're fully accepted by God. Now, how does all that work? Can, you, can I give you some of that? Can I come along with you? I hope for that. What would it be like if our misfit choir knelt together and said, deploy me, King, anywhere? Not the places that I put on my short list, which reflect my addiction to comfort, but anywhere. Use me, use us, up. And then we listen. We turn our hearts to our King and begin to feel those new notes of the gospel. And that joy resonate in us and through us to all of our neighbors and spread. Let's pray. God, you know us. You know all about it. All of it. And you come toward us. You run toward us with your arms open. Oh.